Go with me to the Hebrew hymn book, the book of Psalms. We know that a psalm is simply a a piece of Scripture uh, written by the Lord, Scripture put to music. And every single one of these psalms, all 50 of them, were not preached necessarily. They weren't just read. They were sung. They were... Uh, it's, it's God's word put to music that really, uh, in, in, in whether it's David uh, as the human writer, Asaph, Moses, or other writers of the Psalms, uh, all these were collected and put together and used throughout uh, Hebrew history and the history of God's people, the Jewish people, to cause their hearts and minds to reflect in the greatness of God and the glory of God. And that really is the theme of Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is where we are tonight. And I want you to notice with me, it's very interesting. Uh, This is a very powerful psalm about the glory and greatness of God. Uh, It's it's interesting uh, that verses 1 through 6 here in the psalm talks about God's glory written in His creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. The word declare in verse 1, literally in the Hebrew is the word that means to inscribe uh, or to write. Uh, It's the idea of of a a stonemason who would carve out and inscribe something in stone, and that would be permanent. Well, what did God inscribe in His creation? David said, when I look at the heavens, when I look, the, look at the atmosphere, the universe, the atmospheric heaven, when I look up at the clouds and the uh, stars and the sun and the moon and the planets, w- when I consider the uh, our solar system even and the rotation and the orbit of the planetary system that is around us uh, in our solar system. He said the firmament shows, literally, uh, it's the word for gushes forth, like a river, a raging river, that water is gushing downstream. The, the, the firmament, outer space, uh, gushes forth God's handiwork, God's creative power and glory. Verse 2, day unto day, or day after day uttereth speech, night after night shows God's knowledge. Uh, Every day, uh, and even during the nighttime, it brings just another aspect of the greatness and glory of God. Notice verse 3, there's no speech nor language where the voice of creation cannot be heard. By the way, that's why when you read over in Romans 1 and and the Apostle Paul talks about uh, where the heathen are without excuse. Why is that? They cannot point to God and say, we didn't know that you existed. The Scripture teaches us plainly that even heathens are without excuse. No one is born an atheist. An atheist is produced. An atheist is made, not born. Why is that? Because creation itself, Paul said Romans 1, that 
through the heavens, through God's creation, through, through the order of this universe, through the order, the creative order of God, it is obvious that number one, God exists. He's a, an eternal God. He's a powerful God and He's a God of excellence. Even His eternal power and Godhead, Paul said. So David said that, that there's no culture, there's no language. There's no tribe or people group in this world that cannot look at creation and learn lessons about God's greatness and God's glory. Verse 4, their line is gone out through all the earth. Their words, speaking of, of the, the, the testimony of creation, goes out to the end of the world. In them hath God set a tabernacle for the sun. Up in the universe, he, is, he has put a dwelling place for the sun. We realize that our sun is the star in our solar system and that that has a, a fixed point and that we, the other planets, rotate around the sun. Verse 5, referring to the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. <laughs> his going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. There is nothing hid from the heat thereof. In other words, God reveals His greatness and glory even through the majesty and power of the sun. The sun rise. Now we understand it's not the sun that's moving. It's our planet that's moving. But from the sunrise to the setting of the sun, God said there's nothing that's not exposed and heated up and brightened up by the energy and power of the sun. So God says, I want you to know I've written my glory in creation. Then he goes a step further in verse 7 and he says, I, I, I've written my glory I put my glory, not just God's glory written in His creation, but we see God's glory written in His Word. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord, the Word of God, is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, <laughs> enduring forever. And the judgments of God are true and righteous altogether. Listen to what the Lord said. He, he, he uh, uses six words. He says the law. He refers to the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear, the judgments of the Lord. They're wise. They, they, they're, they're clean, they're pure, they're powerful. He said that, that these things are, are more desirable than riches. They're sweeter than honey. <laughs> then he says that the Bible, the Word, warns us of spiritual danger. Notice what he said. He said, verse 11, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. So the Word warns us of spiritual danger, but it not only warns us, but it rewards us when we live out in obedience. It rewards us when we walk in its truth. And so he says, I want you to know, David says, God's glory has been written all in creation. God's glory and greatness has been written all through His Word. 
And then he closes this psalm out. I love, I love how he closes out. He turns it very practical. And he places the emphasis, yes, we see God's glory written in His creation. Absolutely, we see God's glory written in the Bible, written in His Word. But then he says that God's glory is to be written in His people. In other words, that you and I as God's people have a wonderful opportunity to so allow the beauty of Jesus to be upon us. The glory and greatness of God, His integrity, His holiness to be a part of our lives, that you and I are actually reflectors of the very glory of God. Is that not what Jesus taught us over in Matthew, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount? Is that not what He meant when He said in chapter 5 of Matthew, that you let your light so shine, you let your light, let your life radiate my light. Let your light shine before men, and then they'll be able to see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. So as we close our message tonight, I want you to notice with me, uh, he says uh, in, in verse 13, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, he said. Uh, then I shall be upright. I will be innocent from the great transgression. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth, Lord, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable. In other words, let it be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Lord, you're my strength. God, you're my redeemer. And I want my life to be so pleasing to you and a reflection of your greatness and your glory. David closes this wonderful psalm out by highlighting his desire to be pleasing to the Lord through personal purity and personal integrity. You say, well, you skipped a verse, preacher. You're right, I did. I skipped verse 12 for a reason. And I want you to notice it with me. Verse 12, he says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me, God, from secret faults. Lord, please cleanse me from secret faults. We see that God has written His glory in His creation. God has written His glory in His Word. And we know, we acknowledge as believers in the Lord Jesus that He desires to write His glory in our lives as a testimony of His grace and goodness. Can I tell you something, gang? What is it in our lives that will hinder that? What is it that will shortchange and short-circuit that that God wants to do in us. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. David addresses it here in verses 12 and 13. He says that nothing will derail this process any quicker than personal sin. Personal sin, private sin, presumptuous sin there in verse 13. The word he chooses to use is secret sins. Secret 
faults. So as we close tonight, let me give you three thoughts about secret faults. Truth number one, listen very carefully. Secret faults could refer to any number of sins that we can commit against God. And helping us understand what secret faults are, I love how commentator Adam Clark spells out and describes this. He, he basically lists five different types of sin to which secret faults would apply. And I want you to think through this with me. He says, first of all, it could refer to those sins which I have committed and have forgotten. In other words, I committed this sin. You're right, I did. I I sinned, but I so undervalued its, its importance and its damage that, frankly, I just forgot about it. I didn't really think a lot about it. I I sinned, and then I kind of forgot. It's a secret fault. He said, number two, it could refer to those sins for which I have not repented. That could be a pet sin, a sin that I'm tolerating in my life right now, a sin that I, frankly, I enjoy it, therefore I'm not going to... My heart isn't set on repudiating that sin and repenting of that sin and refusing that sin. I'm not understanding what it's doing to the heart of Jesus. It's a sin that I have committed and I've not repented yet. I've not turned from it. And, And by the way, you know this. Repenting isn't just saying, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No. Nowhere in the Bible, the New Testament or the Old, does it say necessarily that repentance is just saying, I'm sorry. No. You read 1 John 1 verse 9 and it says, if you agree with God, that's the word confess, if you confess your sin, the word confess is the word homo legeo, and it means to say the same thing. If you say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin, He says, then I'll forgive you. That's true confession. That when when I come to a point where I understand and I realize what my sin has done to the heart of Jesus, I acknowledge that. I embrace that. I mentally and spiritually subscribe to that and I've signed my name at the bottom of that paper. Yes, Lord, I agree with you, God, about what you say about my sin. Gang, that's true confession. That's repentance. And it'll transform us from the inside out. But true confession and true repentance is not just tipping our hat. It's not just saying, well, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's a brokenness that is produced with an acknowledging and an embracing of truth that I have wounded God, I have hurt Him, I have crushed His Spirit. Adam Clark said, number three, he could refer to those sins which have been committed in my heart, but I have have not yet been brought to action in my life. You say, well, what sins would those be? Well, it could be the same kind of sins that Jesus addressed 
when he's addressing the Pharisees who were getting their bowels in an uproar, their kidneys in a downpour because the disciples hadn't washed their hands. And Jesus said, look, it isn't what goes into you that defiles you. It's that that comes out from your heart, from the real you. He said, you guys are getting all bent out of shape because my fellows are eating and they hadn't washed their hands yet. He said, but they may have unwashed hands, but you have an unwashed heart. Greed, jealousy, wrath, anger, all these things. Lust. And he says, let me tell you something. These things you commit in your heart long before you ever live them out in your body. Secret thoughts. Then he says, number four, those sins which I've committed without knowing that they were sins. We would say sins of ignorance, or as I like to call them, blind spots. I just wasn't aware of it. By the way, everybody has blind spots. Everybody. Blind spots about our personality, blind spots about our opinions, blind spots about our lives and our own integrity. And then Adam Clark said, it could be referring to those sins which I have committed in private, but they've never been made public. And all of us have those. I'm reminded of Achan in the book of Joshua, where no doubt... He knew what was right and what was wrong. Before he took of the wedge of gold, the pouch of silver, and the Babylonish garment, I know he looked around to make sure nobody saw him. Yet he never looked up. He never considered the Lord. I'm talking to somebody right now, and you are tolerating a sin in your life And you think nobody knows it. Well, somebody does. You do. And the Lord does. So let me let me give you a few truths at this point. Number one, no sin is ever hidden from God. He knows it all. Number two, sin will find us out. Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin... It doesn't say your sin will find you out. No, no, I'm sorry. Your sin will be found out. No, it says your sin will find you out. Then number three, sin's ripple effect extends far and wide. All sin is equally offensive to God, but hear me, not all sin carries the same consequences. You can choose your sin, but you and I cannot choose our consequences. Truth number two, secret faults seem to be more pervasive and more prevalent within us than we would like to recognize. It's interesting when David asked this question in verse 12, who can understand his error? In other words, without the conviction and revelation from God, how many of us can truly discern all the ways that we sin on a daily basis? We need divine grace to show us our faults, and God does that, but we need to allow Him to. And then this truth Secret faults require God's cleansing just like any other type sin. I'm glad David closes verse 12 by saying, Lord, cleanse me. 
cleanse me. You know what the Lord has revealed to me? Christian Powell has secret faults. Christian Powell needs cleansing. And so do you. And let's go to God. Let's do what David prayed in Psalm 129, where he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Psalm 139. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Would you pray that prayer now as we seek the face of God? Father, take your word, expose us to ourselves, cleanse us and help us to see sin as you do. Use us this week for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.